Now I have the absolute pleasure of introducing someone who I'm sure you've all heard about and who is what I think a fabulous storyteller. Tonight is all about celebrating storytelling and how we use that as connections to drive us and how we can use story to create um, connections that people can then join with and build into a business. So part of what I'm looking at through Be The Drop is how do we find that unifying thing? What is that, that passion? So if we start with a passion, how do we then take that to build that into something that has momentum? Whether that be on a personal level to help with charities or if that be on a bigger level within business or with Amity on a personal level to create her living um, from doing something that she's incredibly passionate about. Now, so Amity is an absolute storyteller and it's just my absolute pleasure to have her here joining me for our next episode of Be The Drop. So let's get started. Get started. Good. Hello everyone. <laughs> saying, what a nice, nicely dressed audience. I know. Lovely. It's Love a, a nicely dressed audience. They're a particularly good looking audience. They really are. They? You really are. Well done. Well done. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Amity, for joining me on the next episode of Be The Drop. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, as a way of introduction, instead of doing the normal uh, introduce your guest, give you a bio, tell us about yourself, I ask my guests to bring an item of significance. And that item is something that connects them with their community. And I ask them to explain that item and then we get a sense of the person. So Amity, I know you have your item of significance, even though I can't see it. <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> so my item is quite easy to bring, um, cheap. It is my voice. So my voice is obviously how I connect to my community, but it's also, it's everything to me. It's the way I earn my living. It's the way I express myself. It's the way I feel the most joy. So it's, yeah, there's nothing that's more important. I know, and I thought that like, maybe if Amity was bringing her voice that she could give us a little demo of what that meant. <laughs> you mean well, like check one, two? <laughs> well, I don't know, what do you think? <laughs> Right, what do you want? Jeez. I, I don't know. This is, this is nothing like putting your guest on the spot. I know, right? right? But she, she's a performer, so That's I'm very true. confident that you can just All right. uh, give us something. Okay, I'll give you the first verse of probably my favourite song that I've ever written. Um, all right, here we go. This is putting me on the spot I know. a little bit, but here we go. I apologise. All right. Small and tender, handheld in mind. Separate hearts, both beating in time. Breath of life fell deep in my soul. I have been born anew. For today I was chosen by you. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, this is a night for her. I'm wearing makeup. Well, I had a tough act to follow. I to... <laughs> okay, so obviously your voice is, you know, incredible and, and it's your medium and how you connect. Writing songs and, and telling a story through songs, you know, how, how important is that to you and, and what do you find with that connection process? Oh, it's, it's everything to me. If I couldn't do it, I'd, uh, it's how I work through things. It's my therapy. It's how 
I, I connect to other people. I, so I started writing songs when I was, uh, I think, 14. I wrote my first song, which was called Never Ending Love, uh, about my high school boyfriend, and, which was not Never Ending Love, funnily enough. Um, and I remember, that was the first song I wrote, and then uh, a friend of mine in high school, probably my best friend in high school, her father committed suicide. And she, we had moved into state, and she was still here in Adelaide, and she, came to stay with us for a few weeks to just get away from being the girl at school who's had gone through that. So she stayed with us and we would stay up at night talking about it and I felt so, you know, as a 14 year old, I just, it was so big that I didn't, I couldn't, you know, grapple with how I felt and how she felt and what she was going through and so I wrote a song about it for her. It was called Do You Look Down? And I remember playing it to her and the reaction that she got and then going on and later on playing it to family members and then we recorded it and, you know, I know that she still has it. And that was probably the first time that I realised the impact that you can have on people by telling a story with music and the way you could move people and connect to them and make them, help them to express what they're feeling. Like music helps people to get in touch with what they're feeling. So that was when I just thought, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life and have been ever since. Yeah. But there is nothing that feels better than writing a new song. And you get on kind of a high, like it's a buzz. And then you're sitting at the piano and you, I, like usually if I've written a new song, I'll belt it out about 20 times in a, in a row and I'll just sit there singing it. And it's just, oh, it's amazing. It's yeah. the best feeling. Yeah, I, I mean, I love writing, but I can't sing, so. Yeah. <laughs> but try. I, I understand the process. Oh, I try. My son <laughs> thinks I'm good, but he's probably the only one. So, you know, you've got this burning passion, and obviously, as you say, it's something that you have to do. But making a living performing is, is, is hard. Yeah, it is. So what is it that then motivates you to keep doing that and keep going and keep working even though... It, you know, there's the challenge in actually converting that in, into living. I just, there's nothing else I could do. Like I've never ever had a nine to five job. I've never, firstly, I don't think I would be very good just going to a job every day and being told what to do by someone. I just couldn't, it's just, I, I would feel like I was shriveling up if I, co if I couldn't be creative. I just have to be. I think um, Elizabeth Gilbert said um, once, if you're not, her brain, if she's not creating, she's breaking. And I feel like that too, like I would do this anyway so if I couldn't earn a living from it I would just have to do it and I, I still would like I would basically pay to do the job that I do so <laughs> I, I pinch myself that I got so lucky but it's not luck it's no. I've worked really hard to you know I, I got my first piano bar gig when I was 15 and I just I'm pretty determined I just keep on finding opportunities and I just did so many gigs for free and I sent off demos and I still do gigs for free because I love to do it but it's taken you know my whole career to get to the point where I can put something on sale and it sells and I still feel so happy when that happens I'm like oh my god it's just, people are actually just buying tickets and <laughs> want to come and see me sing and that's the best. Yeah, so the Fringe show this year. Yeah, it's that's all like crazy so that show um, it's called 39 Forever and it was a cabaret show because I was coming up to my 39th birthday and was kind of freaking out about it. So again, I just, in the middle of the night, the title 39 Forever came into my head. I was like, oh, that's a really good title. And I sat up all night and wrote. And then I took my kids to school the next day and then sat in a cafe and wrote all day and then picked them up from school and went home and wrote all night. And then I was like, I've written a new show. 
So I registered it for the Fringe, but I hadn't done a new show for a little while. So I was like, oh, I hope it sells. And I sold out 11 shows two weeks before I opened. That's great. And I was like, it was, it was amazing. And even my mum was like, this is the first time we haven't had to say, do you want to come and see Amity Show? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, our friends are all like, we've bought tickets to Amity Show without us even asking them. <laughs> I was like, we've reached a point, yes. Um, so yeah, I sold out 11 shows and then we added six more shows. So 17 shows and four houses for every one of them. And it was, it really did feel like a little bit of a... Um, pinnacle moment of being able to just put something on sale and it sells and yeah. that's yeah that was nice and so to get to that point like you've obviously built a community now that's yeah. very engaged and they see an amity show come out and they want to buy those tickets but going back to that 15 year old who's you know playing gigs in a bar how do you, you know what are those key steps that built that community along the way is there sort of key moments yeah, and you're right, because it really is a community. And the funny thing is, like, I was on the first series of The Block in 2003. So I was 25, I got a record deal. I was on the front cover of magazines. I was on the front cover of newspapers. Like, I was super famous for a little while, or well, all eight of us were. So I got a record deal, I had a top 10 album. For a little while, people would line up to buy my album, and that was amazing, but that ended very, very quickly. And then the hard work began of actually building that community of people that knew what I stood for and knew who I was and knew what they would get out of my show. Not because I was on the block or not because anything else, yeah. because they know what they're gonna get. And I think it's just, it's just doing gigs and it's, uh, it's social media and it's word of mouth. Like my um, musical mother wife from The Complicated Life, I just wrote that for myself. It started as a cabaret show and each time we did the show, people just loved it and they would tell their friends and then they would bring friends. And I would have women Facebook messaging me saying, I've seen the show five times and I bring different groups of friends each time. And that you can't buy that, like that's just precious. So really word of mouth is what has built it. Yeah. So fame is amazing, but it doesn't, there's nothing underneath. You know, you really have to build that connection with people in order to go to the next stage. You see people chasing fame and wanting fame, but it's not until you get it that you realise it's actually meaningless. It doesn't, you really don't have a great, and you know, some people have really amazing fan bases and they have connections to them, but just being on a reality show, you're never, you're never gonna have that. So you've then got to build like a legitimate fan base who actually care about you and will, will actually put their money down to buy your tickets mm. or your albums. And so you mentioned that word of mouth is a, is a really powerful tool for you. How do you go about converting that into your messages? So using social media or using some of these platforms, how do you take those real interpersonal experiences and put it in a digital platform, which is now so important as oh, well? So important. And that's why social media is so wonderful because people get on, you know, if, if you go and see a show, I know I do it. As soon as I've seen a show I love, I get on Facebook and say, everybody go and see this show, it's amazing. And that's what built Mother Wife, is women getting on, women telling other women, and then going on social media and posting about it. And then, you know, we built quite a network. And you have to be savvy these days with social media. There's no way, there's no way not to be. Mm. It, it can be quite exhausting. Do you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like another job. Yeah, so, and do you have a focus of social media platforms? But Instagram and Facebook yeah. are really it, and that's where I, um, and three separate Facebook pages? Yes. 
Yeah, and so you've got to you've got to keep them all going. And I find you know the Philanamity one is the like the biggest number, and they're a really strong community. They're really supportive, but they love like if I put a house photo or if I put a story about my kids, that's what works there. So if I am plugging a show, and another thing I've really noticed is you can put a post like a funny photo about my kids, and it'll get thousands of likes and comments and everything and then I put a oh, I've got a show coming up sort of post and it'll get like 50 and it was killing me I was like why is that <laughs> you know but it's just people don't want to be plugged to you know it, that's an interesting thing where you can have 50,000 followers and that does not guarantee you one paying ticket it doesn't so during this journey like what have been your biggest challenges for for building the community and you know growing this base of people that will engage my biggest challenge in my career is being taken seriously because um, having come from a reality TV show, I, it was a double-edged sword. So I got fame and lost credibility. So my, my constant challenge in my career is not being seen as Amity from the block, but being seen as all the other things that I have done. Like the block was, you know, I did it twice, but it was three months of my, six months of, of a, you know, how old am I? Too old. 20, <laughs> 20 year career. And that's what I'm most known for. And that's such a frustration, but it's, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm doing shows about motherhood, which, and then I come from a reality TV show. So sometimes I feel like, you know, it's really hard to be taken seriously, but, and that used to bother me so much. And now I've just let it go because I'm like, there's a certain group of people that won't ever so don't try and impress them. No. Just do what you do and connect with your community who I know know who I am and what I do and that's all that matters. Yeah. You know. And, and that motherhood story would resonate so strongly. Oh, yeah. But, you know, when we first wrote, I first wrote Mother Wife and started doing it and the audience response that we got was incredible. Incredible. Women would come up to me in tears after every show saying, like, thank you for making me feel normal. Or I felt like I was the only one who struggled through motherhood or hated my child at times and, or, you know, wanted to put a pillow over my husband's face when he was sleeping. And I'm like, no, we all feel like that. <laughs> you know, and it was, it was palpable. And I was like, God, this show, there's so much in this. And I knew that I had a hit on my hands from our first season. And so I went out to a bunch of um, male producers. I was like, I've written this show and I think it's a big hit. Like, I think this show has so much potential and not one of them even replied to me. And I was like, like, and someone was like, oh, but it's just women, it's mother's stories. I was like, what? Firstly, we're 50% of the population and most of us have children at some stage and why are, we, why are our stories not being represented and why are we just discounted as women's stories or mother's stories? When I couldn't find a producer to do it, I was like, well, I'll just be a producer. So I was just Googling how to be a producer. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, that was the same attitude when I wrote the musical. I was like, how hard can it be to write a musical? Just... <laughs> just do it and if it sucks like what's the worst thing that can happen so I was like okay a producer just finds the money and then plugs it so that's kind of what I have to do. Well, so there is a term that gets thrown around a lot which obviously does not apply to you which is the imposter syndrome. Yes. But you know what is that is there any point where you face that fear and just go nah I'm just going to do it like yes. and, and how and how do you approach that? Of course I do of course and Nobody, I think everybody has imposter syndrome. I don't think anyone, I think every woman has it. Yeah. And you just have to fight against that feeling because we all feel like we're not good enough. 
You know, I saw a, um, a meme about being a writer once and I can't remember exactly what it was like, but I so related. Like when I write something, Rachel, you know, I, like my first, my first version, I'll send it to everyone. I'm like, this is brilliant. This is the best thing I've ever written. And then the next day I'll be like, well, it's not that good. And then the day after I'll be like, it sucks. I can't even write. I'm terrible. And then I'll, and then I'll go back to being brilliant again. And that's, that's how you are as a writer. It's constantly, every time you write a new draft, you think it's the best thing you've ever done. And then you go back later and you're like, oh, no, actually, I can, I can do better. Yeah. So we're always feeling like we're not good enough, but you can't let that voice be the loudest voice. You know, like men are so great at selling themselves, even if they don't, even if they're not worthy of being sold, they just <laughs> go in there. And it's true, like we're so often like, well, I'm not going to put that forward until it's perfect. Or I'm not going to go for that until I'm 100% sure I'm going to get it. And you cannot get ahead if you're like that. You just can't because we'll always be like, well, it's not quite good enough or I'm not, I'm too, you know, I don't want to commit to that because I've got kids or, you know, like when Mother Wife started and I wanted to tour it, I said to Phil, I want to tour the show. And he's like, well, you can't tour it. You've got small children at home. I was like, well, would you say that if I was a man? Like there was someone else who had kids the same age as my kids touring at the time, a guy, and I was like, he's touring. Why can't I do it? So you just have to, then you feel you're on tour and you feel like, am I a bad mother? Is people <laughs> thinking that's bad? But again, you just have to be able to know what your worth is and have the courage to sell it. And the more you do it, the more you build that confidence. Yeah. yeah. Every artist and performer has the issue of the fact that we're always having to plug. We always have to plug to our friends. Like we're always having to be like, I've got this gig on, please come to it. And then everyone's like, can I have a comp? And you're like, well, you can, but then I can't eat. <laughs> I can't pay my band who I have to actually pay because they won't do it for free. And I said my audience are women in their 30s and 40s and I love my audience but they are honestly the hardest people to sell to because we have a million reasons why we can't go to stuff. Like we're always putting ourselves last. You know, if I put a show on for the Wiggles or whatever, you would all be like bang, 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 buy your tickets straight away because we do stuff for our kids. But then if I put a show on that requires you to get a babysitter and go out and actually put yourself first and have a fun night out, everyone's like, oh, I don't know, I don't really need to do that. Sometimes you give tickets to people and you let them know and they're all excited and then quite often you'll get a message from them the day of or the day before going, I'm really sorry, my son's sick or this has happened and my husband has to work now or my mother's not well and I've got to go and take care of her so please give my ticket to someone else. And I'm like, bloody women, <laughs> like they just, it's a free ticket and they're still, you know, we put ourselves last, yeah. so. Yeah, and so you, you're going to the UK, that's happening as well. How is it, you know, what, what are the things you do that builds those connections as well to take it beyond Australia and, and yeah. build that community even further? Yeah, so that's the big, the big step at the moment. So I'm going to London in a few weeks to workshop Mother Wife to then pitch it to do a showcase for West End theatre owners. So this is like the biggest play of all time. Um, and I, I don't know how it's, you know, we were talking about this and Phil's like, how can we shore up that it's going to work? I'm like, we can't. I know my audience and I know what works, so, but then I don't know UK audiences. And when we did it in New York, it was quite interesting to see how a lot of the humour didn't read, you know, because we're very sarcastic, Australians, and I'm very sarcastic. So the humour in the show is very self-deprecating and we love that, but in New York, they just didn't get it. <laughs> like they were like, these women are so mean to each other. I'm like, no, no, they love each other. Like that's how we talk, you know, like they just, they just couldn't understand the whole taking the piss thing at all. And I had to go through what taking the piss means and like explain. And there was a lot of songs that get a laugh on every line here that there was just silence. 
in the audience for our first show in New York. And that's heartbreaking. Yeah, like was I was tough. sitting there dying inside, dying, because I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't work. So then I think London, the UK is a lot more um, closely aligned with our sense of humour. So I think that'll be okay. But you get to the point where you're like, how much do I rewrite to be what they think is going to work? Like a, a guy that's living, a single man living in London. Yeah. Do I take everything he says on board and change it? Or do I say, well, I know what works. I know what women want. And so I'm trying to just find a middle ground. Thank you so much for joining me, Amity. Thank you for having but me. But in conclusion, I always ask my guests to share with me their be the drop tip. So a be the drop tip is your top communication tip. Well, I think it's what we just covered. It's being authentic. It's being who you are because you are the only version of yourself that you can be and nobody else can be that. So find out who you really are and what your strength is and lead with that. And also know your worth. Know your worth and command your worth. Oh, command your worth, ladies. I think that's a good one. Thank you so much for joining Thank me, Amity. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. It is our mission to help unlock the power of story through this podcast and the range of products and services that we offer. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To get in touch with any specific comments, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. Until next time.